so here we go. La- last week, we're, we're gearing up or wrapping up our series of yes to generosity. Yes to generosity. You say, Pastor, like you know it's 2020. You, you know it's COVID. You know it's a political year. So you've talked about politics. And now you're talking about money again. Don't, 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 you, know, don't you know that that could kill a church? But here's the reality. I'm so glad that someone told me a few things. I'm so glad that someone taught me about the love, the grace, and the forgiveness of Jesus. I'm so glad that someone introduced me to Jenna. I'm so glad that someone told me about the baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm so glad that that someone taught me God's way of handling money. Let let me give you a few stats. But before I do that, let let me kind of point to maybe a feeling that you have. Does anybody remember way back in... Way back in March, COVID-19 happened, right? Uh, Side note, did you know that the Australia fires, I know I mentioned this, Australia fires happened in 2020. I saw some pictures the other day. There's stuff growing, right? New life. We have hope, all right? So COVID-19 happened uh, in March, and and really what happened was the economy was kind of cut in half almost overnight, and we were kind of looking like, oh, even as a pastor, I'm like, well, am I going to have a job in three weeks? I, I I don't know what's going on. And I was like, well, did I, did, I plan, did I plan financially well enough for this? And maybe you and your family, someone might have gotten furloughed for a couple of weeks. And you're going, whew, am, am, I, am I prepared for this financial kind of season that I'm about to go through? But even before COVID, let me give you these stats. Did you know that the number one cause of divorce in America is money fights and money problems? No, number one cause. Only 30% of U.S. households have long-term financial plans. One in three. Only 24% of millennials, people, people my age, show signs of basic financial literacy. 39% of Americans would have a hard time covering an unexpected cash expense of $400. Flat tire, can't cover it. Re- refrigerator goes out, can't cover it. Pet, pet gets sick, pet eats something, has to go get surgery, can't, can't cover it. 39%. At the age of 30, the average millennial uh, student loan debt is 45% of their household income. 45%. And everybody with student loans said, oh. Jesus actually talked about money a lot. Does anybody want to take a guess at how many verses Jesus talks about money? Anybody at all? Throw your hand up. It's like interaction right here. Nobody nobody wants to be wrong is what it is. This is going to blow your mind. Jesus talked about money 2,350 times in Scripture. 2,350 times. That's actually twice as many of those devoted to faith and prayer combined. So if Jesus talks about something, y'all can't get mad at the pastor for talking about something. Because my job is to talk about what Jesus talks about. And that's what we're going to do. Randy Alcorn said this. He said, the issue of money and possessions lies at the very heart of the Christian life. Martin Luther put it this way. There must be not only the conversion of the heart and mind, but also the conversion of the purse. So I want, I want to encourage you. Uh, this message isn't to be taken lightly. It's not meant to be a, a distracting message. But man, if you're a husband and wife in the room, I want you to take notes and talk about this stuff later. 
Listen, if you're a single person in the room, lay the foundation. Now, I looked at the people that were dating. Y'all weren't single. Y'all were dating. So y'all were dating. So lay the foundation uh, together. Because this stuff matters. The reality of it is, is that fear, stress, and anxiety have all been tied to money. And I think it's uh, my job as a pastor to help you through those feelings. And in lieu of some of the societal tensions, um, I thought that we would go a little old school. Um, I thought that we would have story time. Anybody remember story time in kindergarten? Did y'all have that? Where, where's my teachers in the room? Teachers, y'all remember, did y'all ever have story time? Y'all do story time? Yeah, story time's fun. It's like kids are acting bad. We're doing story time. Y'all, like, y'all, y'all behave. I told Josh a little earlier this week what I really wanted to do is take all the chairs and push them to the side and say, all right, everyone sit crisscross applesauce on the floor. Because when you sit crisscross applesauce or even say that, you're like, I can't, I can't be mad at the person in front of me. Next time you're in an argument with somebody, just try that. Hey, can we sit crisscross applesauce on the floor and, and talk about this? So back, back to story time. Today's author is Theodore Giselle, who illustrated and wrote 60 books. Y'all were like, who, who's Theodore? In the world's Theodore Giselle? Anybody ever heard of Theodore Giselle? Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss. So I thought we would learn from Dr. Seuss today. And we're going to read, like literally, we're going to read this entire book called Ten Apples on Top. And uh, as we read this, this is what I want you to grasp. I think this book actually points to how society talks about money. I think that this book actually illustrates how, how society tells you to handle your money. So I'm going to do my best job and read this thing with some little oomph behind it. All right? So watch the screens and enjoy as, as I get through this book. One apple up on top. Two apples up on top. Look, you, I can do it. Two. Look, see, I can do three. Three Three, I see, I see. You can do three, but I can do more. You have three, but I have four. Look, see, now I can hop with four apples on top, and I can hop on a tree with four apples up on me. Look here, you two. See here, you two. I can get five on top. Can you? I am so good, I will not stop. Five, now six, now seven on top. Seven apples up on top. I'm so good, I will not let them drop. Five, six, seven, fun, fun, fun. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. But see, we are as good as you. Look, now we have seven, two. And now, see here, eight, eight on top, eight apples on top, not one will drop. Eight, eight, and we can skate. Look, now we can skate with eight. But I can do nine and hop and drink. You cannot do this, I think. We can, we can, we can do it too. See here, we are as good as you. We are all very good, I think, with nine. We, will, uh, we all can hop and drink. Nine is very good, but then, come on, we will make it ten. Look, ten apples up on top. We are not going to let them drop. Look out, look out, I see a mop. I will make the apples fall. Get out, get out, you one and all. Come on, come on, come down this hall. We must not let our apples fall out of our way, we cannot stop. 
We cannot let our apples drop. This is not good. What will we do? They want to get our apples too. They will get them if we let them come. We cannot let them get them. Look out, the mop, the mop, the mop. You cannot stop our apple fun. Our apples will not drop. No, not one. Come on, come on, come on, come all. We have to make their apples fall. They must not get our apples down. Come on, come on, get out of town. Apples, apples up on top. All of this must stop, stop, stop. Now all our fun is going to stop. Our apples all are going to drop. Look, ten apples on us all. What fun. We will not let them fall. End scene. So apples. Apples. I think this book really points to life. I'm going to throw that to you. I think this book really points to life. So you have these two characters and they're competing, seeing who can get the most apples in the beginning of the book. How, how, many, how many apples, how many apples can, I, can I get? Kid at Christmas, give me some apples. I, I need some more presents. Give, 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 me, give, me another, give me another apple. You get your first job. Oh, I got I to get those apples. I got I to get, get that paycheck. What, what about that first that first promotion. Oh, I got I got the job, but now, now I need to get the promotion. I, I've got I've got to get I've got to get another apple, because because apples apples make me happy, and and I have those apples. And, and then you see those Facebook posts, and somebody goes on a vacation that you really wanted to go on. You're like, I got it. I got to get more apples, because because if I get more apples, then I can I can go on that I can go on that vacation. If I, get, if I get more apples, if I get more, I just have a, had a baby, so I got to get more apples. I've got one on the way, and maybe this is hitting too close to home, but I got I to get more. I got to get more apples. got to get more. I got to get more. And then the second part of the book, people are chasing you down trying to get your apples. Stay away from mine. You can't chase me with a mop. Stay away from my apples. You, but you, you, know, you know the feeling. Kid, kids are after your apples. Hey, Pops, I'm going out Friday night. Can I get some apples? Hey, Sam, can I get some apples? Kids come to you. Hey, I'm, I want to go out on a date. Can I, can I get 20 bucks? Can I get some, can I get some apples? Hey, hey, Mom, Dad, I got a, I got a soccer tournament I'm, I'm going to. Can I, can I get some apples? Hey, hey, Mom, Dad, I'm in college. I really want to go out and, uh, and grab some coffee. Hey dad, can you can you send me can you send me some apples? But but it also hits like this. You open up the mailbox. Duke Energy wants your apples. You, you open up the mailbox. Verizon wants those apples. Coming to the first of the year. The government wants their taxes. They want your apples. They, 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 everybody, everybody's after, everybody's after the apples. And then inevitably what happens? You come to church and the pastor says something like, hey, we're, we're going to take tithe and offering and, and you've passed out all of those apples. You've, you've paid Verizon. You, you've paid your kid's college bill. You, you've put gas in your car. You, you've bought groceries and, and, and your apples and you, you come to church and you're like, well, I really don't have one. I kind of have a half eaten apple. And then the pastor starts talking about money. 
Like, what, what, what do I do with this half-eaten apple? See, culture will tell you one of two things. They'll say, get as many apples as you can or keep people away from your apples. But what, what if? What if there is a different way? What, is, what does kingdom culture say? What does the Bible say about apples? Malachi chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Starting in verse 7, Malachi chapter, chapter 3. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. I could stop right there and preach this entire sermon on that verse alone. Return to me and I will return to you. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, says God, how are we robbing you? God's response is in tithes and offering. Church, this is actually what scripture says. This isn't uh, the Zach Witt version. In tithes and offering. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. What if, what if there was a different way? So we have, we have apples and society says, hey, you get, get all of your apples. And you know what? It's okay if you put them out in front. It's okay to tell people how many apples you have. But get all of yours. Because ultimately what society says is, hey, it's, it's up to you to look out for you. And then once you get all your apples, you, you're supposed to keep them away from everyone. Damon tries to come up and get an apple. You're not getting my apple. Robert tries to get, you're not going to get, get my apple. So society says. But, but the kingdom of God puts it a little different. Return to me and I will return to you. Talking about this idea of the tithe. Leviticus 27.30 says to give your first fruits to the Lord. So first fruits, 10%. That's what we believe as a church. So Paul, you did a really good job at painting this apple gold. One of these is not like the other. Anybody? Nobody? All right, well. So we have these 10 apples. And again, society says, hey, hold on to yours. Get as many as you can and don't let anybody touch them. And God says, hey, it's okay to get apples. It's okay to get them. It's okay to acquire them. But hey, that first one, that first one's mine. That, that 10%, that, that's mine. See, I think what, we, what we've done as a society is we've said, well, I'm, I'm going to give my possessions or my money to God. Church, can I just, can I maybe step on some toes? This was never ours to begin with. Yeah. Listen, all of these apples ultimately flow from heaven. Yeah. Your success flows from heaven. Yeah. And God says, hey, 10%, first 10 is mine. Josh and I, I didn't ask you if I um, could share this story. Uh, so I'm going to do what Doug does when he talks about his kids. I don't, you know, so yeah, five bucks. All right, here we go. Just make sure you tie off of it. Um, so 
Josh and I were, were talking about this. I said, hey, man, how, how can I illustrate how can I illustrate the tithe? And, and Josh has done offering a couple times, and, and he said this is the way he was going to illustrate it one Sunday. He was going to say, hey, who got paid this week? Stand up. All right, you know what that number is? Take out your calculator. All right, hit times point one equals. That's what you're supposed to give. Like, I can't. We don't do that as a pastor, but it's like, wait a second. Like, that, like that's, that's as simple as it is. And you're like, pastor, can you talk about this stuff? Yeah, because Jesus talked about it. Let me tell you what the tithe is not. These are all good things, but this is what the tithe is not. The tithe is not time. Listen, as we, we as Christ followers, and here at this church, we have world changers, and we are so thankful for your time. We're so thankful that you serve, but that is not the tithe. It's good. It's needed. It's not the tithe. Charitable. That's There you go. Charitable contributions. So you give to Red Cross. You give to the 91.9 Sherathon. Again, all good things. Not the tithe. Money you're giving to help out relatives. Good. Take care of your family. I'm not saying don't take care of your family. Take care of your family. It's not the tithe. Uh, another one. Giving tree, angels, and salvation army, other organizations that we give to to help people. That's all good and admirable things. But it's not the tithe. All of those things are wonderful after we give to God first. Let me tell you what happens when we keep the tithe. When we keep the tithe, we're robbing God. Verse 8, will a mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how are you robbing me? In tithes and offering. So you guys know that we have good drip coffee and, and Eric is there and Eric works uh, probably 95% of the hours. Shout out to Eric for running the coffee shop. But let, let me, yeah, woo, give it up for Eric. But let me use this as an illustration in the coffee shop. So say the coffee shop makes 10 apples in the day. And Eric looks at those 10 apples at the end of the day, and then he goes, oh, it's a lot of apples. Yeah, good drip coffee doesn't need that many apples. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a couple for myself, and, and we're going to act like that's what good drip brought in. And he, and he puts those in his pocket, and he walks out the door. That's called stealing. Now, now maybe, I didn't, maybe I didn't tell Eric that stealing was wrong, so I got to go, hey, Eric, hey, we don't steal. Um, we hired you not to steal, so uh, don't steal from the coffee shop. And, and now that you know the right way, and, and, and don't steal. Don't rob us. And then Eric, at the end of the next week, goes, ah, yeah, they, they still don't need all those apples. Like, I can, I can keep, some for, keep some for myself. It's robbing. How would that relationship go a couple weeks later? Like if, if you found out one of your employees or somebody that you work with uh, was robbing your employer, do you, think, do you think they would be a part of the organization that much longer? Don't rob God. Number two, blessing is withheld. God can't trust you with more until he can trust you with what you have. Like God, why, why am I not getting more? Now listen, let me be very, very clear. You're not buying more. God's saying I'm trusting you with more. When, when we tithe, you're saying, God, you, uh, you can trust me with what you give me. Number three, you feel like you can never get ahead. You feel like those pests are devouring your crops. You know exactly what I'm talking about. That's when Murphy moves into the spare room. Y- y'all know Murphy? Murphy's that flat tire you get when you weren't expecting to get a flat tire. Murphy is that refrigerator going out during the holiday season. You're like, well, where am I going to put all of my food? 
Mur- Murphy is my dog getting out in the yard and chewing up a stick and it gets stuck in his stomach and I got to go get it removed. Murphy is all those things that happen that you didn't expect to happen. Murphy is you driving down the interstate and that rock hits the windshield and you call and for some reason your insurance isn't going to cover it and now it's $300 for you to get it fixed. That's what Murphy is. It's those pests that nag at life. Number four, ideas, ventures, and projects never seem to pan out or yield fruit. Those trees never grow fruit growing up. My grandparents had a row of plum trees. And, and my grandpa was like a man's man. My papa, we call him papa. My papa was a man's man. And, and he would walk out and he would grab some plums. And he was one of, those, one of those old school guys that carried a little pocket knife everywhere he went. He'd flip that joker open and he'd just start peeling that plum. He was so cool, he would like not cut his thumb, but like eat the, the plum off of his his thumb, you know what I'm talking about? Like, his ear is like, man, you're cool. I want to grow. He was so cool. He had like a piece of grass always out of his mouth when he walked through his garden. Like, it's a man's man. But I remember every year that we had plums, for some reason, there were always a, a tree or two that didn't yield fruit. Whether it be some type of insect that got in it. Maybe it was a, a late frost that dropped, off the, dropped all the fruit off of it. But every Every tree didn't always yield fruit. Some of those ventures and ideas and projects. For some reason, the tree's there. It just never seems to come to fruition. What about the blessing of the tithe? Let me switch gears for a second. So when, when, we, when we withhold, we know what it looks like to withhold, right? So let's switch gears. What does it look like to actually tithe? Scripture says this, your needs will be met. Verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Jesus didn't say he'd make you rich. He said he would take care of you. Jesus didn't say he was going to give you a mansion. He said he'd take care of you. Man, what does it look like to tithe? For something going wrong in your life? Listen, Jesus is going to take care of you. Test him. Try it. Number two, the blessing of the tithe opens the floodgates of heaven, verse 10, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Church, let me, let me talk practically for a second. I believe that the blessings that we're having as a church are because of your faithfulness and your giving. Say, Pastor, what are, what are you talking about? See, God, God likes to show up and show out. There is no reason that during the middle of COVID when the, when the economy was going down that we were able to pay cash for eight and a half acres of land 1.9 miles from the door. That's only God. And I think that's God being faithful. Why? Because his people were faithful. God, God owns the floodgates. So what does it practically look like? That's what it looks like. I think sometimes we can separate the Bible and separate scripture and separate words from the practical things that we see already happening. Church, I think we're living this out. I think that we're living in the blessing of God. Did you know that uh, most churches under 100 people are struggling to stay open right now because of COVID? Church, God's been faithful. You've been faithful Number three, it activates God's pest control. Verse 11, I will prevent pest from devouring your crops. Jenna has Terminex. I thought it was every month. She told me last night she heard me practicing. Uh, she said it was every three months, so she corrected me. 
Uh, so there you go. I told you I'd throw that in there. But I'm also going to throw that other thing in there that I told you I was going to. Uh, so she corrected me. Terminex comes out to our house every three months. And I love the fact that Terminex comes out. I hate paying the bill. Like it comes in the mail. I'm like, 100 bucks for what? I didn't see you. And Jen's like, no, they, they came. They sprayed around the house. And, and they keep the pest away. Keep those spiders away. And they keep those what earwigs. Is that what they're called? You know, those, little, those things get everywhere. But they, they keep them away. You know what else they keep away? They spray for termites. One of my biggest fears is sitting on my front porch in the morning, drinking a cup of coffee, reading a good book, and then you hear like chewing noises. Like you hear chewing in the wood and it's like, oh, like I know what that is. That, that's termites. That's, that's something eating away at the foundation. But since my Terminex guy comes and he sprays away the pest. And I kind of have that image of, of God in, in my life. Because the enemy wants to chew away at your joy. The, the enemy wants to chew away at your peace. The enemy wants to chew away at your relationship with your spouse or your relationship with your kid. And your enemy's just chewing, 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 trying to walk around looking to what? To devour, to kill, destroy. And, and I imagine God is my Terminex man. He's like, hey, you don't scare me, you're just a little pest. Like, hey, get out of their joy. Like, sprays them. Hey, get out of their, their peace, and, and he sprays them. Hey, get out of their family, and he sprays them. God takes care of the pests that are devouring your crops. Number four, the ideas, projects, and ventures that you begin will be brought to full fruition. Verse 11 says this, and the vines and your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. Last week I talked about what's stored up in heaven. What's stored up in heaven that you're waiting to see in the physical? What is God waiting to trust you with? You've got that business idea and you're going, man, it's, 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 right, it's right there. It's right there. I, I know that it's there. I can see it. I can see the future. And maybe God's saying, just be faithful. Because when you're faithful with this, I can give you this. Maybe, you, maybe you're going, man, I want to start a side hustle. Or, man, I, I want to step into a new profession. And God's saying, yep, yep, I can trust you with that as soon as I can trust you with this. Number five, it will always be a testimony of God's goodness to those around you. Verse 12, then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land says the Lord almighty you're like pastor I got, I got all of it I'm good we're there what do you need us to do pa pastor I'm, I can get behind that I can subscribe to what Jesus talks about in scripture I can subscribe to what the Bible says about giving so what are you asking me to do I'm asking you to do two things one finish strong finish strong I'm asking you as an individual and you as a family unit to put God first. That's it. Put God first. Apples, apples, apples. I got, I got Verizon trying to get my apples. I got my kids' tuition. I got groceries. Y'all eat like us. Y'all got 10 apples just for groceries. But I, got, I got groceries. I got, I got everything. I, I got daycare. I got gas to put in the car. 
man, I got my computer broke. I got to buy a new computer. Yes, 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 yes. All, all of that, all of that. But I'm asking you just to put God first. Take, take care of all of those things. Put God first. We went back and forth uh, with this as a pastoral staff and just kind of talked through it and digested through it. What, what does it look like? Listen, some, some people aren't giving right now. And, and I'm hesitant. To, I'm not going to say that that's okay because I think that God challenges us to give 10%. Why? Because Matthew 6.33 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be giving, given to you as well. Randy Alcorn also said this, if Christ is not Lord over your money and your possessions, then he's simply not your Lord. New book that I picked up, it's called Multipliers by John uh, Brevere. I know um, Brian King and, and a couple other, the guys in, in that small group that meets on Monday mornings, there's your shout out. A couple of those guys that meet, Ed, your shout out too. Uh, they're going through John Brevere. They just picked up their books and they're going to start it here in the next week or so. And uh, I've, read, I've read several pages, but there's a story that, that I wanted to share that John talks about. And John says that he has a friend named Mike and his friend became a believer in Christ when he was young. He was 11 years old. And he, he was determined, this is, this is Mike's terminology. He said, I was determined as a kid to fill the tank. I wanted, I wanted to fill the tank. I wanted to put so much Bible inside of me that it had no option but to bleed out. Over the next six months, he memorized nearly 2,000 verses of scripture. So after that six-month period, he decided, a little later in his life, he decided to attend a leadership conference in Phoenix, Arizona. He was poor at the time, couldn't afford the hotel room. So he was in a house with 11 students in a two-bedroom apartment just for that conference. And at that conference, there was a special offering that was taken. And, and Mike heard the Lord say, he said, I want you to give $200. And Mike protested. He's like, God, like, uh-uh. I only have, I only have $200. That's, all, that's literally all the money that I have. And he said, the Lord gently reminded me, I'm not asking you to give any more. Just $200. And Mike obeyed and he gave his money and then he felt that God instructed him to give $100 a month above his tithe for the rest of the year. And soon after that, that 100 turned to 400. And then that 400 turned to 1,000. That 1,000 turned to 4,000. That 4,000 turned to $10,000 a month above his tithe. At this point in his life, Mike tells this story. He said, I asked the Lord for the ability to give $10 million to the kingdom. It seemed like a huge request, almost unobtainable. But he was firm and he believed his request would be answered. However, this is what he heard the Lord say back to him. He said, son. Why are you boxing me in? Why only 10 million? Why are you putting me in a box? So Mike removed the limits and believed for even more. So that 10,000 turned to $17,000 a month. That 17 turned to 25, 25 to 40, 40 to $100 per month above his tithe for what? To build the kingdom. 
the last time that John and Mike talked. Mike told John that he was giving $150,000 per month above his tithe. Like, good Lord, $150,000. What do you do? <laughs> right? And, and uh, John Brevere writes this. He said, has lived very well, but on roughly 10 to 15% of his income. Say, Pastor, are you asking me to live on 10 to 15%? No, I'm not. But this is what I'm asking. I'm asking us to put God first. Put God first. My goal as a pastor is that every single family that calls Multiply Lake Norman home, 100% of the families that call Multiply Lake Norman home would tithe. I'll make you a deal. You've heard pastors say this before probably, but I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I want, I want our entire church to try this. 90 days, give me 90 days. 21 days, I can make you a habit. Give me 90 days, it'll become a lifestyle. 90 days, tithe. Still, still Josh's analogy. Wonder how to do it? Get your paycheck, times 0 0.10, tithe. 90 days, 90 days. If you feel like that it was a hoax, if you feel like it was just another pastor asking for money, if you feel like it was just a church trying to get money and, and, and they, did, they didn't know what he would, Pastor Zach didn't know what he would, feel it, I don't care what your excuse, you can make up any excuse that you want to. If you feel that way at the end of 90 days, personally call me, 828-838-5705, and I will write you a check for every single dollar that you gave to this church. Why? Because I believe, I believe in this stuff. I actually believe what the Bible says. Test God. It's the only thing that God says to testament. The only thing. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I think that there could potentially be one of three categories in the room. Um, especially during the season that we find ourselves in. The, the first one is this. It's, it's COVID, right? And you're like, man, I, uh, yeah, COVID, COVID is a, a thing and it, it affected some businesses, but it affected some households. But, but really... My household's better off than, it, than it's ever been before. Like maybe COVID helped me out when it came to finances. What I'm asking you to do is to pray that God would direct you. Maybe there's another group in the room and you're saying, well, nothing really changed. It challenged me, but, but, but nothing, nothing really changed. I'm going to challenge you to lean in and ask God, what's next? And, and maybe you're in the room and you're thinking to yourself, there is no way. Have you seen how my finances have been cut? Have you seen how, how, how my family's hurting? Have you seen, have you seen it, Pastor? Because I don't think you do. I put on a good mask at, at church. But we're hurting. This is what I would say to that family. We want to support you. So come find me after service and, and we're going to take some steps to support you and your family. Church, let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for these people in this church. God, they're, they're faithful people and you've seen it. God, you, you see the way they give selflessly. 
Lord, I, I read stats like we talked about earlier that the number one cause of divorce in America is money fights and money problems. God, we believe so much in the family unit that we want to do anything and everything that we can to keep it together. And so we take some time and we talk about the tithe. We talk about money. God, we... We've seen stats like 30% of U.S. households don't have a financial plans and, and millennials are basically illiterate when it comes to finances and, and 39% of Americans would have a hard time covering an expense of $400. And, and God, we see all these stats, but we know that you control all the apples. God, we know that whatever our financial situation is, that you control the apples. This isn't us bending your arm. This isn't us buying a blessing. We just know and commit to knowing that you control it all. So it's easy to give thanks. It's easy for for me to sing a song of thanksgiving. It's easy for me to praise you. It's easy for me to say, hey, I'm going to believe in you. Because I know ultimately, Lord, That you control it all. So God, we ask that we would take that stance. That we would trust in you knowing that you ultimately control it all. And all God's people said, amen and amen. 